Welcome to the Sadler Lectures podcast. Responding to popular demand, I'm converting my philosophy videos into sound files you can listen to anywhere you can take an MP3. If you like what you hear and want to support my work, go to patreon.com sadler. I hope you enjoy this lecture. In chapters 25 through 27 of Anselm's Monologium, we're going to see him discussing substance and talking about the divine substance and, you might say, comparing and contrasting it against our normal understanding of substance. Now, there's two things I need to say before we actually go into the argumentation. One is when I'm talking about our normal understanding of substance, I'm not talking about a modern scientific view, which to a certain degree, could be connected with this, but but the Aristotelian view, which held that there are substances, and, you know, substances then have what are called accidents or qualities. And the substance has some sort of essence to it. The qualities are, are things that are accidental to it. That means that it could have them, it could not have them. So, for example, this cloth right here that I have, this could be, in fact, blue, or it could be red, or it could be whatever you like. It is soft. That's that's a property of it. I suppose insofar as an artifact, it would be part of its essence to be soft, right? Because uh, that's, that's why it was created in, in that way. But many of the other uh, features that it has are pretty contingent, you know? If I were to rip it in half, I would have two substances or one substance has been destroyed so we can change its size we can change its consistency to a certain degree you know over time it's going to wear out we can say all these things about it accidentally you might also ask and this is the second thing well wait a second how did anselm learn about aristotle uh, i thought they didn't know about aristotle's philosophy until late in the middle ages with people like thomas aquinas or bonaventure isn't anselm too early for that well, they didn't have all of Aristotle's texts, but they did have quite a bit of Aristotle's ideas floating around out there as part of the sort of uh, heritage of ancient thought that they're working with. Specifically, when it came to substance and accident, they certainly had plenty of glosses and summaries on Aristotle available to them. They did have some Aristotle's texts in, in, in part. That's not really that important here. What is important is that Anselm is going to, you might say, break the whole notion of these categories of substance and accident wide open in the case of the divine. So let's take a look at what he actually has to say. In Monologian 25, he's raising a problem, as he's doing in many of these meditations. He says the divine substance is self-same substantially. He's just come off of a long line of argumentation ranging from all the way in the teens through the 20s, where he's talking about what can, in fact, be said about God substantively, and that is, in terms of God's substance. And he, he comes up with you know, this notion that not only is God a unity, but God is also eternally the same. God's not even just the same in time. God is eternally the same. So the divine substance is self-identical. It remains the same over time. Now, the question then is, well, why can't it also be different from itself accidentally? You know, if you think about it, when we talk about, say, God being, he's not using this example here, but he will in the Proslogia, God being merciful, doesn't that mean God is, is changing in, in some way? Like, you know, going against the strict justice that, that God wanted to impose and then say, ah, I'll, I'll give these guys a pass. 
Doesn't that seem like it involves some sort of change in the divine substance? And Anselm will say, no, it actually doesn't. The way that he talks about this is certain accidents, he says, why would susceptibility to certain of those things that are called accidents be inconsistent with natural immutability if taking on those accidents causes no change in the substance? Now, this requires him to think a bit about, well, what kind of accidents do in fact produce a change in the substance? Turn this from blue to white, you're changing the substance. Throw it over there, you're changing the location of the substance in a certain way. You're not changing it in and of itself, but you are changing it a bit, right? Pick it up and modify the shape of it, you know, wrap it around a finger. Now it's not a different substance, but it's a substance in a different condition. God doesn't undergo those sorts of changes, according to Anselm. But he says that there is no problem with talking about accidents that actually don't change the thing. Some of these would be examples of relations. He says, the supreme nature never yields a place in its simplicity for accidents that bring about change. In the same way, he does not reject being sometimes described in accordance with these accidents that in no way oppose his supreme immutability. But his essence is not subject to any accident by which it can be understood to be changeable. So the divine substance is not susceptible of any accident. Then he says, surely those accidents that cause a change in something by beginning or ceasing to be present in it are judged in virtue of that very effect to be truly accidents of the things that they change. So we can say some things about God in relation to other things. You know, when we call God merciful, for example, again, discussed in the Prologium, that would be an example, Anselm says, not of God changing, but of the relations between God and other things changing as well. God doesn't change in God's substance. Now, that brings up an interesting question, and one that Anselm thinks is very important to think about. Why do we even call this a substance at all, then? You know, when we think about the way substances are, he says, although this substance is capable of taking out an admixture of differences or change from accidents, his unchangeable purity is inaccessible to admixture and change. Therefore, how will it be the case that he is a substance at all? Our experience with substances is that they do, in fact, change. Look at myself. You've seen me in multiple videos, perhaps. I'm not always wearing the same thing. Sometimes uh, the lighting makes me look one way, sometimes it makes me look another way. Sometimes I'm not feeling particularly well, sometimes I'm feeling on top of the world. All these things are, are changes that you can observe, and we do this with all sorts of substances. So why are we calling this thing that never changes a substance? Anselm says, in this case, substance is a term that we're using to mean essence, essentia. And we've talked about in other videos, God as supreme essence or a supreme being. That is what he is discussing here. So that allows us, he says, to, he says, however great the distance is between the being who is through himself whatever he is and makes every other being from nothing, and a being that through another is made from nothing to be whatever it is, the difference is every bit as great between the supreme substance and those that are not the same thing that the supreme substance is. So this leads us then to, to chapter 27. Great discussion here. Anselm wants to stress to us, as the very title of the chapter indicates, this substance is not going to be included in common classifications of substances. Why not? Because when we think of substances that we're used to, Anselm says we understand them to be either universal or particular. 
He doesn't say that we actually have universal substances, but he does say that we have universal essentia being, and we have individuals, particulars, and those are substances, just like this piece of cloth that I talked about. We have a whole, we bought a whole package of these for doing what? About cleaning my glasses, and they're all pretty much the same. What does that mean? That means that they are individual things that share a common universal essence, cloth, right? Or in this case, perhaps a, a more particular common essence, a microfiber for cleaning glasses cloths. Those stuck in Dr. Sandler's pockets would be yet more particular, wouldn't it? But you notice that what we're doing there, the substances that we are used to dealing with, like human being, I'm an individual human being. I also participate in the universal human being. God isn't like that, according to Anselm. He's neither, or is, neither a universal being nor a particular being. There's nothing of its, its genre. It can't be compared against any other being. And so the divine, like he says, exists in the highest way of all things. Interestingly, Anselm does, in fact, use the term existere as opposed to asset in that case, which, which is uh, significant in, in, in some ways. So he says the divine exists in the highest way of being, and it can be fittingly called substance precisely because of the kind of being that it is. He says, since he not only most assuredly exists, but exists in the highest way, and the essence of any given thing is generally called a substance, if he can worthily be called anything at all, there's nothing to prevent us from calling him a substance. What we really need to highlight here is that we're talking about a substance that is radically different from other substances, those that we're used to dealing with and conceptualizing. One of the common mistakes we see often made that Anselm is trying to combat is thinking that this substance is somehow to be measured or assessed or, or reasoned about using exactly the same way of thinking about things as we do with all the other substances that we are used to encountering and rightly thinking about in those ways. Special thanks to all of my Patreon supporters for making this podcast possible. You can find me on Twitter at Philosopher70, on YouTube at the Gregory B. Sadler channel, and on Facebook on the Gregory B. Sadler page. Once again, to support my work, go to patreon.com Sadler. Above all, keep studying these great philosophical works.